Our reading this morning comes from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 19. John, chapter 1, and reading from verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Well, it is a season of uh, Advent, and uh, it is a time of expectation, but if you were with us last week, you might know what's coming, because... Uh, does Christmas start when the minister eats his first Christmas lunch? Thank you. I did eat my first Christmas lunch, by the way, last uh, Thursday. It was very nice, uh, along with some others. Uh, does Christmas start when Manchester United next win a game? <laughs> Does Christmas start when we put the Christmas tree up? No. That's right, and uh, in this Advent season, uh, we are uh, getting on board this uh, this campaign uh, launched by uh, churches advertising uh, campaign together uh, with this idea of getting this message out that Christmas doesn't start with all these other things, but Christmas starts with Christ. And uh, that's what we're emphasising in the Advent uh, season. And if you were with us last week, we were at the beginning of John's Gospel, and uh, we were looking at the first 18 verses, and especially that verse that says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we were uh, looking into this whole idea of the incarnation. And we were saying that this is John's uh, birth narrative in many ways. This is John's nativity. This is what John has to say about Jesus entering into the world as a small baby. And uh, so if last week we were thinking about the word, this week we're thinking very much about the voice. John says, I am the voice of one calling out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. And so this week we're thinking very much about the voice. 
And of course we live in a world where there are many voices, uh, all competing for our attention. Uh, have you noticed how uh, the, the, the Christmas adverts on television, do they seem to be getting longer and longer? You know, the Christmas adverts, uh, the, 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 the companies really go to town, don't they? Uh, you know, the Marks and Spencers and all the others, they, they develop these wonderful, very long adverts. And, uh, and they, they, there's so many voices, isn't there, trying to get our attention, trying to say, this is, this is where Christmas starts, this is what Christmas is about. And uh, here we think about uh, the voice. And I want this morning to think about uh, different voices. And of course, the first voice is the voice of an angel. Because uh, John, we said last week, John doesn't get into the detail, does he? Because John's more interested in the theology. We have to go to uh, the other Gospels to learn about the kind of detail of, of, of John's birth. And have you noticed that there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of um, similarities between John the Baptist and Jesus? Uh, they were both born uh, at the intervention of an angel. The angel announced both their, their, their births. Uh, in Luke... The angel Gabriel appears to Zachariah and says, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. So not only uh, are their births announced by an angel, but an angel also gives the name of the child. Uh, the angel Gabriel instructed uh, you know, Mary and Joseph that their child was to be called Jesus. The angel Gabriel instructs Zachariah that his, their child is going to be called John. The angel also goes on to speak about uh, what John will do. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the angel's voice not only announces uh, the birth of a child but also speaks about who this child will be and what this child will do. And so that's a little bit of a background to John the Baptist that John doesn't give us. Other gospel writers uh, give us that background. It's interesting, isn't it? Zechariah's, I like the way the message version uh, sums up Zechariah's response. Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? Do you expect me to believe this? And of course one of the things that we've been saying uh, in the Advent season is that yes, we are asked to believe the impossible. Last week we were thinking about the impossibility of God becoming a human being, about the word becoming flesh. And we were saying, you know, it's an impossibility uh, for our minds to kind of actually work out how that could possibly be. And so often we find ourselves in Zechariah, you know, do you expect me to believe this? And uh, the answer is, of course, yes. We are asked to believe in the impossible in the build-up to Advent. Um, In the book that I'm reading, Five Impossible Things to Believe Before Christmas by Kevin Scully, this is what he says. The uh, apparitions to Zachariah, Mary, Joseph and the shepherds put a supernatural slant on a natural event. The birth of a child, the seemingly impossible, becomes real. The extraordinary becomes normal. Advent is very much about believing in the impossible. About thinking about the impossible things that God does in preparation for his son to be born. So, the first voice is the voice of an angel. 
um, that announces that John is going to be born, but also speaks about what John's ministry is going to be about. John is indeed uh, uh, born, and uh, Zachariah, uh, his silence is broken, and uh, they name the child John. And uh, this is what uh, Tom Wright says, Zachariah's own story of nine months' silence suddenly broken at the naming of the child is a reflection on a smaller scale of what was going on in the Israel of his day. Prophecy, many believed, had been silent for a long time. Now it was going to burst out again to lead many people back to a true allegiance to their God. What had begun as a kind of punishment for Zechariah's lack of faith now turns into a new sort of sign. A sign that God is doing a new thing. God was doing a new thing and God continues to do new things. And so, the voice of an angel... Uh, announces both the coming of Jesus and the coming of John. And of course, the voice in the desert is John's voice. That's how he describes himself. That's how he describes himself. I am the voice of one calling out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. I am the voice of one calling out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. The voice in the desert. Now, it may seem a strange place um, to hear a voice. Uh, you would think if, uh, if John wanted people to hear him, that the city would be a better place to go and preach than the desert. But in the Bible, the desert stands... And uh, is symbolic of a place of exile, um, a place of quietness, uh, a place where there aren't other competing voices. John goes out into the, the wilderness. And uh, of course in the passage that we read at the beginning from Isaiah, you know, when Isaiah talks about that voice in the wilderness and about uh, making uh, a highway for God, uh, what Isaiah was actually talking about when he was talking about flattening the hills and, and making a pathway, he was talking about preparing the people to return from exile because Isaiah is speaking to a people who are, have been exiled to foreign lands and he was talking uh, you know, symbolically about, about the idea of preparing the people's hearts to return to Jerusalem and this is what John takes and says this is my role I've got to prepare people for God's coming in Jesus Christ and uh, this is what John says. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. People had obviously heard about this person who was speaking in the desert, and they sent people out to try and find out who he was and what he was doing. And the first thing that John says is, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. Well, the people want to know, they ask then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. 
It's interesting, isn't it, how the, uh, the priests and, and the Levites, they try to give John all these labels. And John won't accept them. He says, no, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not a prophet. Of course, in the Old Testament, we could read in several places about this idea that the Jewish people had. Malachi speaks about it at the end of his uh, uh, book, about the fact that Elijah would come before the day of the Lord. And uh, in Deuteronomy, it speaks about a prophet like Moses coming uh, before the Messiah. And these people want to know, well, well, who are you? Who are you? And John says, none of these things. None of these things. No, no, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Uh, oh, I've just read that, haven't we? Oh, sorry. Uh, who are you? Elijah, give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? And what does John say about himself? John replied, in the words of the Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. John finds his identity, not in the labels that other people want to give him, but he finds his identity in Christ. It's interesting, isn't it? I don't know whether uh, anybody's ever tried to label you. I've been labelled everything from uh, a liberal to uh, an evangelical to a charismatic. And uh, what people label you actually probably says more about their thinking than your thinking. Because the priests and the, and, and, the, and the people that came to John are trying to work out and trying to... They, they think that they may have some idea about who John thinks he is. And it's the same with us. People might think they have an idea about who we are. But we don't have to accept the labels that people give us. We find our identity, not in the way that other people describe us, but we find our identity in Christ. And in, in the role that Christ has for us. And that's where John finds his identity. He says, my identity is in the words of Isaiah. I am the voice of one calling in the desert to make straight the way for the Lord. The voice in the desert. I don't know if any of you have been watching I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Uh, it seems to me that John the Baptist would make... Uh, well, he'd do alright, wouldn't he, in the jungle? Because he was, he was used to you know, eating uh, strange foods. He'd be alright in the bush tucker trials. Uh, but the one thing that John doesn't claim to be is he doesn't claim to be a celebrity. And in a sense, what he says to the people that came to him, he says, I'm no celebrity, so you get out of here. He sends some of the teachers and the, and the others away in, a, in another gospel uh, and calls them a brood of vipers. John isn't claiming celebrity. John is pointing people to Jesus. John is pointing people to Jesus. So, there's a, a voice of an angel, there's a, a voice in the desert. And then my third voice is the voice in the valley. The voice in the valley. And by the valley, of course, I actually do mean Rosendale Valley. Um, because it seems to me that we need to be the voice in the valley. In a similar way that John was a voice in the desert. Why then the... Uh, 
the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Jews asked him, why then do you baptise if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? In other words, what do you think you're doing baptising these people if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not a prophet? What are you doing? And of course, um, John says, I baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Again, when the questions come to John, what does he do? He points to the one who is to come. The one who is far greater than him. John's ministry is one that diminishes and gets less so that Jesus can become bigger. And we have to think about that. You know, when you hear somebody preach, when you hear somebody give a testimony, uh, do you go away thinking what a wonderful person they are Or do you go away thinking, what a wonderful person Jesus is? Because we're not here to promote ourselves. We're not here to promote our own ideas. We're here to be that voice, pointing people to Jesus. Making the way straight so that others can find what we have found. This is what Luke says about John the Baptist, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John's message, John's voice, was one calling people to repentance. Again, uh, a similar voice, a similar message to what Jesus would speak later. I've been to see uh, a couple of movies uh, in the last uh, in the last month. One is uh, Philomena, uh, sad story of uh, of, a, of a Catholic lady who had a child out of uh, out of wedlock and was uh, was taken into a nunnery. And the story is a, a heart wrenching search for her lost son. And the overriding themes of this film are one of forgiveness and repentance. How this woman is able to forgive all the terrible things that have happened to her and how she offers the hand of forgiveness to those uh, that have been horrible and cruel. The second film I've seen is, is Disney's Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, you know what Disney do to, to, to movies, they kind of glamorise. Both of them are true stories, or based on true stories. Uh, I think Disney probably used more poetic licence than the other film company. But again, it's a story um, of the person who uh, wrote the story, Mary Poppins. And the struggle that Walt Disney had to persuade her uh, to allow him to make a film. But again, at the heart of this film is a story of a woman who has to come to terms and deal with her past and has to be able to forgive her father, hence the title Saving Mr Banks. Mr Banks, the character in Mary Poppins, is based on the writer's father, um, who was quite a cruel person. And again, it's this idea that the the themes of of forgiveness and reconciliation are out there in the world when people tell stories. These are the types of stories that people are still telling. And at the heart of these stories is the same voice as the voice of John, speaking about the need for people to repent 
and to find reconciliation. A voice in the valley, our voice in the valley. Uh, This week, of course, um, we've seen the passing of a voice that has spoken out in many occasions about that same message of forgiveness and reconciliation. If there are dreams about a beautiful South Africa, there are also roads that lead to their goal. Two of these roads could be named goodness and forgiveness. And of course it was Nelson Mandela, along with uh, um, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, that set up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa that prevented the country going into civil war. And at the heart of what Nelson Mandela did, he said that when I came out of prison, I decided that I wasn't going to let bitterness and unforgiveness uh, spoil this wonderful country. Again, those, those same themes of, of repentance and reconciliation from a great voice that has been lost this week. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. John was calling people to repent. And I wonder what our voice in the valley sounds like. Because, you see, the fact that we do want to call people to repentance, we do want to call people uh, to seek forgiveness, um, we don't have to do that in a nasty way. The idea of calling people to repent uh, doesn't need to be done with the finger wagging and pointing as if somehow we are better than others. After all, let's not forget that this message that John the Baptist brought, this voice, was actually good news. It wasn't bad news. It was good news. And... uh, After John was put in prison, again the similarities between John and Jesus, both uh, their ministries cost them their lives. Um, After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The call to repentance isn't bad news. The call to repentance is good news. And uh, what we have to be is uh, a voice of good news in Rosendale Valley. We need to be a voice of good news. Yes, calling people to uh, repentance and reconciliation, because that's actually good for people. That's actually good for people if they can deal with all the bad stuff that's gone on in their lives and the hurts that maybe they have experienced. It's good news. It's good news uh, that Jesus can forgive our sins. That the whole point of John the Baptist preparing people, preparing this way, was so that Jesus could come and that people could receive Jesus and everything that he has to offer from God. This, my friends, is good news that we're called to proclaim. It is a gospel and a message of repentance, but it's good news for the people. It's good news. And uh, during this season of Advent, let's be a voice for good news. There's so many voices telling us about all the bad things that are happening in the world. And yes, we need to listen to those voices and we need to pray about the situations. But let's be a voice in Rosendale that has good news. 
that tells the story of Jesus coming into the world, that helps to prepare people in the same way as John the Baptist prepared people to receive Jesus. Our ministry is the ministry of John the Baptist. We're called to be a voice that points to Jesus, that doesn't point to ourselves, that doesn't point to other people, but that points people to Jesus. That says in the same way as John, don't look to me, but look to the one that comes after me. The one of whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. We find our identity not in what other people say about us. We find our identity, our purpose, our very reason for living in the Christ that came at Christmas. Because... Christmas starts with Christ.